one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the Runswell Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're looking at part two of how to run your best marathon. Sam's back. She's back. She's told you how to do your base training, your speed base, you're getting ready. It's, it's, it's the business end, Ben. We've got more phases. There's more phases. There's, don't be phased <laughs> by the next phase. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So this is, we're talking about the kind of I'm going to call it the action end of marathon training. Yeah. And maybe into the kind of tapering as well. So and we talk a little bit about recovery as well. We talk oh, about yeah. the, the the need of good quality food and rest. Oh yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like we good can. Stuff. I just do that bit of the marathon training. I think that's plan. important. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. So I okay, guess so without further ado, should we should Let's we get Sam get, back this is, on? This is part two of running your best marathon with Sam Murphy. Welcome back, Sam, to episode two of our Run Your Best Marathon series. And um, we left everyone on a cliffhanger last time. They're tuning back in to find out who done it. <laughs> <laughs> They're still in their development still in their phase. Yes. Development yeah. phase. Um, in development phase, we talked um, previously about lactate threshold running, which is kind of the pace you can hold for an hour in race conditions. Um, am I right in thinking that maybe hill running would start to come in during this phase as well? And, and if so, what what the kind of marathon benefits of running quickly up a hill because it can be quite a hard sell I think <laughs> yeah so there, there before I will answer that question I'm not I'm not um, avoiding <laughs> yeah. it but it's it's also the time that we would make the speed work a little bit more specific um so rather than doing more of that sprint work that we were doing in the base phase we're we're moving towards uh what listeners probably consider you know more traditional speed work so working more at what uh, vo2 max pace so efforts that are sort of two minutes three minutes that kind of thing a, a, a hard effort and so coming back to hills i mean i i consider hills to be um i mean they are a session in themselves but you've got to always think about what you're trying to achieve so a hill session could actually be a session that is working on lactate threshold or a hill session could be one that's working on on your vo2 max your aerobic capacity so it could be either of those depending on how you structure the session so um there's a session that i've i've got in the plan which is one i think is such a good one to do for 
marathon training where you're running up and down a hill continuously but not too steep a hill and not at a, a sort of breakneck speed so you're running at a, 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 at a pace that would elicit that same feeling of of it being comfortably hard to keep that pace going so it's your same lactate threshold sort of effort level but you're going up and down a hill and the down isn't a recovery you're running down the hill at the same effort level as you're running up so the the speed might be different but the effort level feels the same Um, and we'll often use like landmarks such as lampposts or trees so you might run up to a near tree then back down and then a next tree that's a bit further away all the way back down the next tree and so you just keep going for you know maybe sort of six minutes or eight minutes or um, something over five minutes otherwise you'll just go too quick and then you might take a little break and then um, repeat that again Um, And that's very different from a VO2 max hill session where you would be running up the hill pretty fast and jog or walk back down, get a really good recovery so that you can put that same amount of effort into it again. So in one way of depleting our our energy and then, you know, getting a recovery and keeping going. And in the other, um, we are, you know, pushing through and, and, and keeping going without the recovery, but we're at a lower intensity if that makes sense. So they're both hill sessions, but, um, you know, very different focuses. And that really, that, that session sounds great for sort of replicating the sort of surges of race day and how those sorts of conditions, you know, you've, you, there are, in, as much as you'd like to run a, a consistent, even pace <laughs> for the whole 26.2 miles, it's never going to be that easy. So you kind of like, it, it does sort of help with the conditioning. Um, so from the, that, the, from the base, which was all sort of very low intensity mileage increasing, where does this, where are these sessions slotting in now? Are we uh, in this development phase? Have we got, we've still got the mileage happening or is that now being reduced yeah. and these sessions are now coming in to sort of supplement everything? Yeah, yeah. So the mileage, you know, you've, you've probably, you've reached near enough the mileage that you're going to maintain through the programme. Mm. So you're not having that, that challenge of keep building and building. You know, you've reached that point. And the mileage is going to be, it's going to fluctuate a little bit more now. So weeks where you've got a a hard long run, you're not going to also do these really hard sessions, but weeks where we're going to drop the mileage on the long run, then we've got a little bit more energy to focus on these lactate threshold and VO2 max sessions. So it's not going to just be build, build, build on the long run front, but we are going to keep revisiting those longer distances, but we've got a little bit more leeway to work on intensity now as well. So let's talk about marathon pace, Sam, because I guess we're now moving maybe into the specific phase. We're getting kind of close. Now, when, yes. when, I mean, generally speaking, when do you think we should be talking about the specific phase? How many weeks out or weeks or months out from, a, from the race? How much development do you need to get specific? <laughs> that's, a different, oh. that's like a Malcolm Gladwell podcast. Isn't it? <laughs> um, I guess we're looking at about um, sort of... My programs are 16 weeks and we're looking at, at about um, sort of 10 weeks, 10 weeks to 12 mm. weeks um, when we're focusing on the, on this, this specific phase. Right. Okay, I see. Yeah, so yeah. it's the final four weeks of the whole, well, six to... Of the time yeah. when you're still, yeah. yeah, before you've started to, to taper. Yeah. 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 And this is where kind of marathon pace is, is coming in. It, is um does it matter in terms of like because obviously people listening will have very different marathon goals so how much marathon pace you do 
Does, is that dependent a little bit on how quick a marathon you're planning to do? Does that make sense? Well, I mean, you often see very, very sort of hugely um, marathon pace focused long runs being recommended. Um, I mean, I think I think I would probably not. I, I mean, you could. There's there's a couple of ways you can do it. So you could do. Um, a session where you do little blocks at race pace in between blocks where you're running at an easier pace. So you've got a little bit of recovery in between. Um, You can do runs where the first half is at a comfortable pace and then the second half you go into uh, your marathon pace. And that's a really good way of kind of replicating that fatigue that you're going to get in the latter stages of the race, but without, you know, exhausting yourself so much in training by doing all of it at race pace um that you then you know, take the rest of the week to feel <laughs> yeah. recovered yeah, yeah, you know yeah. so then you're missing out on what training you were meant to be that be doing in that following week um so yeah i mean i think it does it does depend somewhat on on what your your sort of marathon potential your 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 sort of capacity is going to be on the day i mean if you know if you're running your first marathon and you know, you've, you're, you're sort of not that confident in how good you've been feeling with, with your sort of longest runs, then to sort of set yourself the target of going out and running, you know, 12 miles at race pace is probably um, going to knock your confidence more than build yeah, it, which yeah. is one of the reasons you know, for doing these kinds of runs is, is really about building your confidence and, and your mental focus. So you might want to sort of reduce that and, and do a little bit less at race pace. But another thing you can do is to include race pace runs as standalone runs within your training week in that specific phase. So uh, it just really helps you lock onto what that pace feels like. And I think, you know, the, you know we're not talking about a, a, a something that's that's kind of a movable feast like a lactate threshold session or a VO2 max session. You know, we're talking about a specific pace, which might be you know, 10 minutes a mile or 8.30 a mile or whatever it is. So to get a real sense of being able to, you know, know that you're running at that pace without having to look at your watch all the time to see if you're running at that pace is really valuable. It's a great little um, game you can play when you're out training as well. You're like, okay, I think I'm definitely at nine minute miles now. And then you look and it's very gratifying to find that you are, <laughs> you're on it, you know, within a few seconds, or you might be horrified and find that you're <laughs> just 12 way minute out. Mining, yeah. And, yeah. 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 But some days it will be like that. Like there's no, you do go out and you think I've absolutely, I've got, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the money with this. And you look down and you're like a minute slower than you should be or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Go, oh, well, that's, well, that's, that's true. where I'm blame, at today. Blame the watch yeah. at that point. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But there is, a, there, is a ca- there is a caveat to that, of course. You know, I think pace is very important and pace is, you know, on the day, it, it, it you know, pace is an absolute, isn't it? It's not going to change just, you know, it, it, it's, it's a fixed thing. Um, but when you're training, you do have to sort of bear in mind that your pace isn't going to always be as consistent as you would like it to be. There's going to be uh, traffic lights and zebra crossings to wait at and there's going to be gates to open or stiles to climb over or, you know, soft ground underfoot or um, hills that to go up and down. All sorts of things are going to affect your pace. So don't sort of cling doggedly onto your set you know your goal pace because you'll end up running sort of harder than you need to at certain points because you're trying to sort of catch up to get that 
that you know eight minute mile or whatever that you were trying to achieve and you 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 know you wouldn't you don't need to do that yes you do need to do it on the day but then hopefully the conditions are not going to uh, sort of prevent you from achieving that on the day and obviously everything else that you've done outside of these marathon pace sessions all the hard work from the base phase into yeah, the development yeah, yeah. and that's where really that end result comes from not from you know just an ama- one amazing session one amazing yeah. session where you absolutely nailed that pace <laughs> yeah it's time for an advert jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it blue nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And now back to the podcast. Um, Sam, you talk about um, our dress rehearsal. Um, mm. So can you, can you explain what that would look like in terms of sort of distance of run, pace, also I guess in terms of maybe what you're going to wear and eat on the day and why you, why you think it's important? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's good to do one of your, um, not, your not, not necessarily your peak long run, but one of your um, sort of last few long runs so maybe at the sort of just the one just before you start tapering or or even one of the ones during the taper um and wearing the kit which you should but you know if it's that near the race you should know by by then what you're going to be wearing and going out wearing that kit and practicing your fueling strategy so it's got to be a race a run sorry not a race a run that is long enough for you to need to practice your food strategy but let's say you're going to run for two hours and on the day you'll actually be running for close to four hours, uh, still carry the same amount of fuel that you're going to carry yeah, on okay. the day. Yeah. Don't just carry what you need for two hours because let's see if you can actually, can you fit all those gels in your shorts? Yeah. I mean, let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see if, you, if they actually fit. Um, practice, you know, opening the gels. Are you going to stop running? Are you going to walk? Are you going to carry on running? Do that in your dress rehearsal just to see you know are you able to do that and and this is the time when you're going to find out whether those gels sit okay in your stomach when you're running at that sort of pace that's why it's important to do it on one of those later runs because you're already going to be at the point where you're able to maintain a similar sort of pace that you're going to be running on race day Do you do you factor in like nutrition stuff in the in that base phase as well, Sam? Then because if people are adding mileage and doing all that sort of stuff, 
Is that when would you sort of people running for two, three hours at that point and they're trialing the gels at that fa- that phase? Oh yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I know there is, you know, there are different schools of thought about um, the need to take on energy. Um, the 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 huge consensus um, in terms of um, non elite runners is that once you're running for longer than 90 minutes that you will benefit in terms of your performance if you take on energy during the run um that that there's there's so much evidence to to back that up that yes there are there are sort of some reasons um to run without energy and in building your your uh, fat ad- adaptation um so, you know, that is something that people can look into. But again, you know, thinking back to your stress pot, you know, is that something you want to start thinking about now yeah, if you've never yeah. thought about it before? Yeah. Just adding another sort of thing to deal with into the equation. Yeah. So I would recommend strongly that people do think, yes, I'm going to need to take energy on during this run. And although it's 90 minutes is the sort of t- the kind of cutoff point at which studies sort of say, yeah, it's pretty unequivocal that you need energy if you're going to be running for longer than that. It doesn't mean that you start taking it at 90 minutes. It should be something that you start taking right from the beginning of the run. The more you practice that, I mean, I, in my nutrition uh, section of the, of the book, you know, I, I know people who find it hard to take energy on board and I know people who find it hard even to drink water and sort of say, oh, well, you know, I find it really hard, so I just try and do without it. But you know, don't don't give up because there's really good evidence that your body will adapt if you just gradually kind of persevere with it. And it's really, really worth doing because you are going to be at a disadvantage if you can't take carbs on board and particularly, you know, if you can't take water on board. So just just give yourself, you know, be patient and allow yourself time to adapt to that. You know, even if you feel like it's sloshing around in your stomach now or that you feel a bit nauseous, you know, try different brands, try different consistencies, try real food if you don't like, you know, um, designated sports products. Um, but your body will adapt and, and, and can adapt to taking on more carbohydrate over time if you if you do, you know, do it regularly, practice it regularly. You, you said um, before something, you're not, you're not a subscriber to, some, to the idea that you kind of build up your long run and then your final long run is, is three weeks out and maybe a lot of that's a marathon pace some people even do these kind of 20 mile races runs but they almost race yeah. them and they're like yeah got a 20 mile pb three three weeks out from the marathon it's like you've almost done the marathon there and now you're gonna do another one yeah um, yeah what, what what's the alternative then in terms of like when would you when would you put the last long run in someone's um training diary ideally well in my plans um the la- the the peak the peak long run um, comes at sort of about weeks nine or ten, and then you revisit that run. Um, the last time you revisit it is uh, is five five weeks out is um, the last time that you do that's the sort of peak distance is revisited for the last time. However, after that, you do have, um, you know, a a two hour long run, which is a progression run, which goes um, from a sort of easy pace up to marathon pace and then backs off. Then it goes back to marathon pace. So it's quite a challenging run. 
um, of two hours in length. So it's still going to do everything you need it to do in terms of um, maintaining your endurance, boosting your marathon-specific fitness um, ability to hold that pace, all of those things. People need to get out of the, this mindset. It's so easy to, to, to believe that, you know, if you've done 20 miles, but then, you know, two, two weeks later you do a, a run that isn't 20 miles, that you're going to lose fitness yeah, yeah. as a result of that. Yeah. And that is just not the case. You know, your body will not lose fitness because you're, you're, you're doing less mileage in this other run, but there's going to be more intensity in that run. Plus, it's a part of the puzzle of all the other things that you're doing as well. So there is no, I guarantee that if you, you know, if you follow this idea of not doing your last long run three weeks before, and you've done it a bit before that, that, you know, you're not going to lose fitness from not doing your last long run three weeks before the race. Um, so we've got, we've done the base phase, we've done the development phase, we've been very specific. We've touched on nutrition, which has been great. And I think that this sort of like probably slides in a little bit with that is that if we talk about the stress pot again, which you mentioned, but sort of the, all the elements of life coming together, recovery with the marathon, I feel like is, you know, is, is, is worth a little mention in itself because it fits in with nutrition and, and how you're sort of feeding your body and, and, and treating it well. Um, what's your main bit of advice there, Sam, in terms of people who are taking on the marathon? How, how what's, what do they need to do in terms of recovery so that they're hitting those sessions, getting there full of energy, not damaging themselves, not adding more stress than they need to? Yeah, I, mean, I think nutrition, although we have already touched on it, I think nutrition is probably the, the, the number one mm. that people need to think about. Um, and that's it. I, I particularly think that's important because it's so often overlooked. Yeah. You know, that you think that the training is everything and all the other things are just kind of by the by so you go and do a long run and then just not think at all about what you eat afterwards when you eat afterwards um you know go to the pub <laughs> have a few drinks yeah, you know yeah. you've got the training in so all of that all of that stuff about getting your carbohydrate in and also protein post run yeah. is really really important um that would be my number one focus for recovery and then my number two focus would be sleep um, so getting enough sleep at night, but also taking taking naps. I know both of you have young children, so <laughs> oh, naps yeah. are probably right. naps are. You need to nap when the kids nap. That's right. what you yeah. need to do. They've stopped. They've stopped, they've stopped napping. Well, one of them does, but the mine, other one doesn't. Mine don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll need happily, to reintroduce the naps. I'll happily have a nap. Yeah. More, yeah. Than, more than happy. It to can do be that. so. It can be one of the best. I think one of the nicest things about marathon training is you come back from your long run, eat some uh, nice Balanced. granary toast with yeah. scrambled eggs, <laughs> and then uh, get the recovery tights on and just climb into bed. That does sound good, actually. That's, that's, that's what it's all. That's what it's. That makes it all worthwhile to <laughs> me. <laughs> So we're going we're to have to stop it there. But there, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about with the marathon. But thanks so much for uh, for giving us your insight into uh, into the 26.2 mile distance. For anyone who's listening, who's interested in your book, which will be many people, tell us how tell us the title again and, and how you can get hold of it. Okay, so yeah, it's called Run Your Best Marathon: Your Trusted Guide to Training and Racing Better. It's published by Bloomsbury and it's available in all good bookshops or if it's not then you can get them to order it in for you <laughs> um and 
from the, the, the big unfriendly place online. Okay, <laughs> lovely. Sam, thanks very, very much for your time. Really, really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, yeah, offering so many great insights into the marathon. So I think people listening will, will get a lot from it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, good luck to everybody who's in training. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A huge thanks to our guests, Sam Murphy, and to you, of course, for listening. I know that you're now ready to run your best marathon because you've listened to part one and part two of How to Run Your Best Marathon with Sam Murphy on the Runners World podcast. That's us. Um, but if you just need extra additional help, you should subscribe to the magazine because that will help you along your journey. It supplements all the information that you'd ever need. Uh, subscribe to the magazine for £5 and get three issues. That's a good deal. Or subscribe for the whole year and you get all the magazines, which is a better deal. Just Google subscribe Runner's World UK magazine. Find the link. It's on the Hearst magazine site. You'll get some sort of introductory offer maybe if you're good. And uh, you'll hear from us next week. So thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it, so look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love, and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.